The message you're about to listen to is from the Household of David Mercy Conference 2024, themed The Resurrection. Be blessed as you listen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. If you are excited, shout glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a joy to be here this morning. Can we celebrate Jesus one more time? Can we give a shout like a resurrected people? <laughs> Glory to Jesus. You may be seated. God bless you. Father, we thank you for the privilege to stand in your presence. Thank you again this morning for the honor of receiving of your spirit. Precious Father, we ask that you bring us even into deeper realms of illumination, translating to empowerments for advancing the frontiers of your kingdom and fulfilling your agenda on the face of the earth. This morning, we've come hungry, trusting that you will do a new thing, even as you've always done. Take all the glory, take all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. It's my honor to be here this morning. I want to sincerely celebrate God's servant for the privilege to be here to share with God's people. Can we please honor God's servant, Pastor Shola Oshuma Kinde and our mama. Thank you for the great work you are doing. God bless you richly. It's always a joy never to be taken for granted. Thank you, sir. I'm delighted this morning to, to see God's servant again. All the way from the United Kingdom, Pastor Dele Oshuma Kinde. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you. When I was told you'll be ministering this morning, I said, thank God. I will sit to receive and be refreshed. Praise the Lord. I want to particularly celebrate the household of David. A people of triumph. A people of victory. A people overcoming every day. You want to give God a big shout? You want to give God a big shout? Indeed, is a conference of resurrection. Because resurrection comes after death. And we know that in death, Christ was not defeated. Rather, he defeated the devil. The Bible said, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public show of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The devil will always want to rage his ugly face, but God has overcome. When I heard of the news yesterday, I called God's servant and he was so full of faith, I said, that's the spirit. He was not break, broken for a moment because there's an assurance of the spirit that this is not a defeat. We are not happy about what happened, but at least now we are more confirmed and assured that it's time for the new place. And so it's from glory to glory. Congratulations for your faith. Congratulations for your triumph. Congratulations for showing the devil that all he does is nothing because you are more than the conqueror. Glory to Jesus. This morning I'll be sharing very briefly with us and then we'll receive from a more senior minister. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to verse 4. The subject of the resurrection is at the heart 
of the Christian faith. There are many things in the faith that you can learn over time and still get along. But there are certain other things that you must understand at the very beginning of the faith because it determines the quality and the experience that you will have in your work with God. This is one of the non-negotiables. In fact, this is where Christianity begins from. At the cross, the old man was destroyed. But at the resurrection, the new man is born. If the new man does not emerge, there is no Christianity. Because Christianity is not a religion. It's divinity expressed through humanity. So God demonstrated his love at the cross, but he demonstrated his power at the resurrection. And that is why the faith is not just a move born out of God's love, but it's also the move of God's power. Paul speaking, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And so when we are talking about the resurrection, it is a subject that encompasses the victorious life. And this is where a quality Christian life is born. It's at the heart of the faith. And so Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 3. He tried to reduce and simplify Christianity to the very essence. And there were three things he itemized. He said, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Then he went to the next verse and he said, and he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And so the summary of the recreated life is the death, burial, and resurrection. God dealt with the old creation because the old creation cannot be repaired. Jesus said it is the spirit that quickens. He said the flesh profited nothing. And so if you want to do away with the old man, you must understand the totality of the syllables of the cross. But if you want to also maximize the possibility of the new man, you also have to understand the full scope of the syllables of the resurrection. Over time, we have dwelt so much in the subject of the cross, but very few has been done on the resurrection. And so people can succeed in dealing with the flesh, but it becomes difficult to manifest Christ because you need to know the resurrection to manifest the power and the glory of Christ. This is why, although you find Christians who live a holy life, yet it's difficult to see the glorious life. Because the cross deals with the flesh. And so it gives you the ability to live a holy life. But it is the resurrection that helps you manifest the glorious life. And so a triumphant church is a church that understands not just the cross, but also the resurrection. Because if we live a holy life dealing with the flesh and not the glorious life, manifesting the essence of the resurrection we will still be a defeated people. And so in this conference, the focus of God is to bring a people to the manifestation of the newness of life. And that is where I'll be dwelling majorly in the evening. But this morning, I just want to lay 
a few foundations to help my navigation because I will say some things that may trouble your theology in the evening. I will say some things that may look like fanciful thoughts. I will say some things that may appear to be lofty thinking, but in truth and in essence, that is what God has in mind for every Christian. We are not ordinary people. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it said, whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. It said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this new creation is not just a new species. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it said, we are his workmanship. We are the manifestation of the architectural masterpiece of God. So the brightest and the most excellent display of God's creative intelligence is what we have come here to demonstrate. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto every good works. So when you want to see the highest display of God's excellence, you are not expected to look into the heavens. You are supposed to look into the church. The new creation was actually designed to manifest God in his fullness. He said, of his fullness have ye all received grace heaped upon grace. We are the creation blessed to host the very fullness of God. And that is why he said, even the principalities and powers are to look upon the church to behold his manifold wisdom. And so when you get into the church, the church should actually be a ground where different dimensions of God, both the known and the unknown, should be manifested. But all of that is based or predicated upon our depth, the understanding of the subject of the resurrection. And so I trust the Lord that this conference will be the greatest of the messy conferences that you've had because God will do something in the lives of everyone that will participate that has never been known. Hallelujah. And so Paul said, I deliver unto you that which I receive. How that Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. This morning, I just want to show you four major implications of the resurrection. Just as a foundation for what I will be doing later tonight. Four major implications and if you understand the subject of the resurrection your life will give expression to the things i'll be mentioning this morning praise god hmm. abba father glory to jesus the first implication of the resurrection is victory over death. And so death should no longer be a challenge for anyone who is born of God. And it's important for us to understand what death really is. Because most of us, because we've seen some of our loved ones in the past and we no longer see them because they've died, we may make the mistake of assuming that death 
a cessation of existence. But the truth is, nobody born can end. There's nothing like cessation of existence. If you study your scripture, there are two major definitions of death. The first definition of death is corruption. It's a degradation in quality of existence. That is why when Adam died, he didn't fall down and ended in existence. God did not lie. He said, the day you shall eat of this fruit, he said, in dying you shall die. But the man ate it and he didn't stop existing. But the quality of his life began to disintegrate from that day until the day he transited to eternity. And so when we talk about death, we are talking about corruption. And that is why every time life is discussed, it is discussed also in the company of immortality. In 2 Timothy 1.10, it said, through the gospel, it said, life and immortality has been brought to light. Immortality is a state of no corruption. The highest quality of existence. That means existing like God. And so when we are dealing with the subject of the resurrection, we are actually talking about a full scope upgrade of your existence. Because that is victory over death. The second definition of death is condemnation that results in separation from God. And so if you study your Bible in the book of Revelation chapter 20 from verse 11 to, 20 to 15, at the end the Bible said in verse 15, it said whoever's name is not found written in the book of life, it said he shall be cast into the lake of fire and that is the second death. So he is condemned and is separated from God unto eternal torment. So the first death is degradation, corruption, reduction in quality of existence. And the second death is condemnation and separation from God. Now, in the resurrection, God provides one antidote for death. And that antidote is the life that is manifested. And this is why resurrection actually means to return back from the grave. To return back from death. It's a demonstration of power above death. And that's why I told you that at the cross, God reveals his love. But at the resurrection, he demonstrates his power. He said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That gave is the ransom. He ransomed, he gave him as a ransom for those who are in sin. He gave his only begotten son. That's the death of Jesus. But at the resurrection, he demonstrated his power. Philippians 3.10, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Paul began to speak about the resurrection. And it was also in line with power. Speaking about Jesus who was made in the seed of David according to the flesh but demonstrated power through the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead so the resurrection is a manifestation of power and the first dimension of power revealed in the resurrection is victory over death to bring you to a climb of life where death has no power and so when you are done with this conference, you will notice that everything that reduces the quality of your life will diminish. From sickness 
to poverty to fear to torment all of a sudden you will discover that they no longer have authority in your sphere of existence and that is when you will truly begin to enjoy the quality christian life jesus was speaking he said the devil cometh not but for to kill to steal and to destroy he said but i am come that you might have life how will he bring you or usher you into that realm of life is by the dynamics of the resurrection in hebrews chapter 2 from verse 14 to 15 scriptures began to reveal to us what jesus did at the resurrection it was not just an activity of god there was a deliberate agenda to be fulfilled he said for as many are partakers of flesh and blood he said himself likewise took part of the same that he through death might destroy him that have power over death that he may deliver those who through the fear of death were for a lifetime kept in bondage so when god showed up he showed up to demonstrate power over death and the way he did it was in the resurrection now when a man steps into the economy of victory over death there are three cadres of victory that he enjoys the first cadre of victory is an automatic translation upgrade and improvement of the quality of his life you cannot understand the resurrection and be the same as you walk and grow in your christian experience you will discover that the more this revelation hits you the more powerful you become the more glorious you become the more accomplished you become because the intricate dynamics of the resurrection is such that it imparts power to the christian to walk in victory and so when you find many christians who are in bondage when you find many christians who are still in captivity it's not because the devil is strong it's because they've not understood the resurrection the moment you understand the resurrection the resurrection has the ability to impart a power into you and that power makes you live a life of glory a life of excellence and a life of perpetual victory in john chapter 1 verse 4 the bible said in him was life and he said the life was the light of men and he said the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not the moment you understand the resurrection and the life of god hits you immediately everything darkness around you begin to lose the authority because that life is light and that light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not in romans chapter 8 verse 2 the bible speaking it said for the law of the spirit of life that is in christ jesus hath set me free from the law of sin and death so when we come into the economy of the resurrection we step into a quality of life that is in excelling glory propensity on the strength of that you see that we begin to migrate from one level of glory to another so this is not just a lecture to increase your knowledge of certain realities in scripture this is actually an impartation to step into an, an upgraded realm of existence this is what the resurrection does for you so believing that jesus rose from the dead is not just to be talked about is to be demonstrated to an upgraded life if you believe it and you know what it does as you build your consciousness around it you will discover 
a power at work in you that improves the quality of your life suddenly begins to manifest. The second thing or dimension of victory over death that is demonstrated in the resurrection is a confident assurance that you cannot end in the grave. You just know that your eternity is settled. And this is where true dominion is born. When a man comes to a point where he understands that he is not just living an upgraded life, but that he cannot end like every other person. Come what may, his eternity is secured because he cannot end up in the grave. It's an assurance. Listen, this is what brings a dogged faith in you. You know that serving God does not just impact on you on earth. It has an implication in eternity. You can't end like others. How do you think the apostles died and they never thought twice? There's something they know about the end. They saw that if Jesus could not be held down by the grave, then they too cannot be held down by the grave. And this is what makes Christianity stand out of every other belief system in the world. Because there's no other belief system whose leader defied the grave. Only Jesus defied the grave. And if Jesus was able to defy the grave and he tells you that you too will rise again, you know that he has the power to do so. If I, I, if I demonstrate something and I say I will do it for you, you will know that I can do it. But if myself have not experienced or demonstrated the reality and I'm giving you hope, wouldn't that be false hope? Jesus was the only one that rose from the grave. And the Bible assures us that the same way he rose, in like manner, it says we too shall rise again. The moment you understand this, the way you live your life on earth becomes different. You are not living in fear and uncertainty. You know that come what may, your destiny and eternity is secured. This is the second type of victory over death that Christians have. And this is why nothing should make you compromise on earth. Because now you know that your end is guaranteed. Romans chapter 6 verse 5. The Bible said, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. He said, we shall also in the likeness we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so he didn't rise to rise alone. He rose to show us that the grave cannot conquer us. And so everybody who understands the resurrection, number one, begins to live a superior quality of life because of the power that the resurrection imparts. And number two, there is an assurance that is imparted to his spirit that his end is not in the grave. He has a place in eternity with God. Because if that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, there's an activity that spirit will bring in you. And that activity will culminate ultimately to your own resurrection. John chapter 6 verse 40. He said, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the last day. I will raise him up on the last day. We believe in this thing so much that we are willing to die serving Jesus today. Because we know that for us, death is not the end. This is victory over death. 
is not just an improved, upgraded, supernatural quality of life, but it's an assurance that death can no longer hold you captive. And so for we who are Christians, we don't die. We translate to glory. For us, when we live here, that's why when a Christian dies, yes, there is a, a disconnection in emotion. You will, you will feel it. But we don't cry like hopeless people. We know that we will meet in the by and by. There is a place where we will connect again and fellowship will continue. Why do we have that assurance? It's because Jesus demonstrated victory over death when he rose again from the dead. And this is why this is one of the central doctrines in the body of Christ. This is what Christianity is built upon. We are not a hopeless people. We are not a psyched people. We are not a people believing something that has not been proven. Jesus demonstrated it when he rose again from the dead. In 2 Corinthians 4.14, he said, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with him. He who raised up the Lord Jesus. You will never read any religious text and hear this kind of audacious statement. Because even their leaders are not sure where they are going to. One said, at the end of time, all of us will pass through the grave and those that God wants, he will raise. Not Christianity. Every one of us that believe in Jesus, we know we will rise again. It's not, it's not a, will it happen, will it not happen? No. It, this is not because we have seen the evidence now. Jesus is the first fruit so that we all will also follow suit. We have seen it now. This is not, oh, let's, let, let's do good. If our good supersedes our evil, maybe we'll, no. The judgment has been passed. The verdict has been concluded. The results have been seen. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. The tomb was empty to prove to you that you too will not end in the grave. That's why in Christianity, we don't carry guns to fight. We preach by the power of the Holy Ghost. If we are attacked by discernment, we can escape. But in case our death should prove a testimony, we die without changing our minds. And even our death becomes a testimony in the spirit. Because we know that out of the body is presence with the Lord. We don't end in the grave. You cannot find anyone who believes in Jesus at the end of time forgotten in the grave. Even the prophets of old were looking towards this because God promised them. David said, you will not allow my soul to see corruption. He was prophesying about Jesus, but he was also proclaiming a reality. That is for those who believe in him. You will not allow the soul of your servant to see corruption. Victory over death. This is Christianity. This is Christianity. And if you have overcome death, what else can torment you? Nothing. So number one, the quality of your life has got to change. Because the moment you believe the resurrection... Life was credited into your spirit, and that life brought you a power. The problem is that if you are not aware this is what this thing is about, you will talk it like a theologian. You will not experience it. And that's why in the evening, I will teach on the newness of life, so that I will show you the various dimensions of the manifestation of the Christian life. You need to know it. Listen, as you are seated here now, there's a power at work on your inside. There's a power. It was the resurrection that activated it. 
The moment you believe, see you, see, you don't need to make contact. Even in science now, they know it is possible to transmit without contact. The moment you believe something woke up on your inside, and it's on the strength of that thing that supernatural life can be born. It was credited into you at the resurrection. You are not the same with every other person. See, the world thinks we are all human beings. That's their biggest mistake. So when you talk, they think it's, it's human beings that are talking. We are not all the same. We are called new creations. God lives here. We have the mind of Christ. We have the faith of Christ. We have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We are not all the same. And a Christian must know that the whole concept of the resurrection is to awaken a power on his inside. There is a power in you that makes you live above death. And so you must insist that every day of your life, you must transit from one level of glory to another. The Bible said the path of the justified is as a shiny light. It shines brighter and brighter because that's how the resurrection works. You can't meet me today and say yesterday was better than today. No. And I'm assured that tomorrow will be greater than today. When people look at you and say it's your season, there's no such thing like that. Every season is your season. It's from one level of glory to another. We are not about to rise and fall. No way. It said we all with unveiled faces beholding us in the glass. The glory of the Lord. We are changed from glory to glory. We are not going up and coming down. No. The resurrection power is an excelling glory. So if you saw me yesterday and think I was intelligent, check me out tomorrow. You will see higher dimension of intelligence. You saw me yesterday, you think I was succeeding. Check me out tomorrow. You will discover yesterday was child's play. Not because I am doing anything special. There's a power at work on my inside. It's called victory over death. Death came to reduce the quality of my life. The resurrection came to insist in an upgrade. And so every day, I'm upgrading into higher realms of God. Every day, I'm upgrading. See, the apostles all knew this. John said, as he is, so are we, not in heaven, in this world. Oh God, you have not been raptured. What are you talking about? Because I don't need to wait for the last trump to be raptured. Every time I stand before him, I'm transfigured. They knew it. As he is, so are we. Paul came and said, according as it is written, they believe and have spoken. We also, having the same spirit of faith. It's not only for those who saw Jesus in the flesh. We also believe and therefore speak. So what the experience will experience. Because it's not about meeting him in the flesh. It's about receiving the life that comes from the resurrection. Too many Christians don't know what this is about. So they think it's a history class. Where we just come and tell them how Jesus was nailed. How many times he fell. The points where he fell carrying the cross. How the disciples ran to the tomb. How they saw an empty grave. This is not a history class. This is a power class. That what you received is tangible and it can change the quality of your life. And that what you have received is an assurance that you will not end in the grave. And the third victory over death is that you will not be condemned. The Bible said in John chapter 5 verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, it says, He that believeth on me, it said, He shall not come into judgment. He said, but he has passed from death to life. He knew what he was talking about because he knows judgment. Many years later, John had a revelation of judgment. In Revelation chapter 20 from verse 11 to verse 15, to justify the statement Jesus has made, 
See what judgment is about. He said, and I saw a great white throne. And he said, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled. And said, there was no found. For, he said, for there was no place found for them. He's trying to show you judgment. And when he tells you how judgment will be done, you will see that Jesus didn't lie. Verse 12, see what the Bible said. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And he said, and the books were opened. He said, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And he said, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written to their works, according to their works. Everybody that died, judged according to their works. Verse 13. He said, and the sea gave up the dead. So no human being was exempted. And he said, and death and hell delivered up the dead. Even those who are in hell came back to be judged. They delivered up the dead, which were in them. And he said, and they were judged, every man according to their works. So you will notice here that there are two dimensions of judgment. There is judgment unto condemnation and there is judgment unto reward. If you are condemned, it means you didn't survive the second death. And you are going to see how and why Jesus said, him that believes in me shall not come into condemnation. He has passed from death to life. Verse 14. It says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So even hell will be judged. They were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Some people think what we are suffering on earth is the real death. That is rehearsal for death. The real death is in eternity. It is the lake of fire. A place of perpetual condemnation. Every sin you have committed, you will feel bad for it forever and ever. While you are yet being tormented by the lake of fire. And then he went to verse 15 and he said something. He said, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life, he said, he is cast into the lake of fire. So what will exonerate you from the lake of fire, which is condemnation, is to be found in the book of life. And 1 John chapter 5 verse 11 said, this is the record. This is the record. He said, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He said, he that had the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. So every one of us who believe in Christ, the resurrected one. The Bible said there is a record. Our name is in the record. And so when they check you out in eternity, because of your faith in the resurrection, your name is in the record. And the Bible said, everyone who is in the record will not see the second death. So Jesus said, we will not be condemned. He said, we have passed from death to life. It is after you have escaped condemnation that you can now be judged for your works so that you can be rewarded in eternity. Because what is the essence of receiving a reward that goes with you to the lake of fire? And so, the resurrection is absolute victory over death. It empowers you to live a quality life while you are yet on earth. It gives you assurance that at the end of time, you will not end in the grave. 
And then he also gives you assurance that you will not be condemned with a word of sin and evil because you have faith in the risen Christ. There is so much on your inside yet to manifest because you are trying to draw strength from your flesh. You are trying to draw strength from your certificate. You are trying to draw strength from your connection with men. That is not the first place to look at. Listen, when you walk through life, tell yourself, Christ in me is the hope of glory. I draw strength from God himself. When I believed in him that rose, he implanted his essence, his power, and his life in me. On the strength of that, I have wisdom. Now, because I have wisdom, anything I read, I understand it. Because I have wisdom, any business I start, I understand the strategy. Because I have wisdom, I cannot fail in life. So you are not drawing your strength from your natural ability. You are drawing your strength from the ability of God that is on your inside. This is how to live the Christian life. The problem is that many people are Christians, but they are drawing strength from their human abilities. And so when you meet those from the East, there is an ability that the Easterner has. And that is the ability that every Christian from the East relies on. If you go to the North, you see there's an ability that Northerners have. And so although we say we are Christian, but we are living like Northerners because that's the ability we have. When you come to the West, there's an ability that the Westerners have. And that's the ability we are drawing from. That is not bad in itself, but that is supposed to be secondary. The first ability you should draw from is the God life that is on your inside, credited into you by the resurrection. On the strength of that, when you are in the West, what is the heritage of the West? It's an added advantage. But when you go to the East, you will not be disadvantaged. Because you have something that is superior to regional advantage. There's something that is above death that dwells on your inside. The resurrection empowers you to walk victory over death. A Christian is not supposed to be defeated. Because what is in him has conquered the greatest plague of humanity, which is death. A Christian is not supposed to be downcast because what is in him is superior to the greatest affliction of man. But the problem is that the Christian is looking in the wrong direction. 90 to 98% of Christians, if they have a problem, they resort to the same technology that the unbeliever resorts to. They are calling somebody they know or they are trying to just deploy human and mental protocols, which in itself is not bad, but except that you have made those things your God. When you know that God is in you, every challenge you turn to God and something will rise up on your inside and it will amaze you. He said, even God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power. So if you don't give heed to that power, God will not be able to do the resurrection. He gives you victory over death. Listen, tell yourself, I have victory over death. Everything that reduces the quality of existence, I live above it. You must know this thing. You must be conscious of it. This is where you begin your life from. Can't be defeated. Even when you have a bad dream, you laugh at the devil. You just wasted your time, not me. I live above death. Somebody threatens you, you laugh, not me. I live above that. 
See, we don't know these things. That's why most times we are easy priests. Somebody wakes up out of bitterness and, and curses you. What are you doing? You are wasting your time. Me? You can't curse that which is blessed. Where does curse come from? It comes from the foundation of death. I live above death. How, how is it going to work? See, there's a level where you know this thing today. You don't even need to pray about it. You say you are wasting your time. Get out. If I'm in an aeroplane, will I bother about jumping up? I'm in a system that carries me up, even when I'm sitting down. So jump is no longer a stress I want to give myself to. That's the resurrection. It carries you to a realm of perpetual victory. You live there. That's your reality. But many have no, not this consciousness. Number two. I'm laying foundation. So that when I'm talking in the evening, you understand where I'm talking from. Because I will really say some things. <laughs> Don't come and hear me and say, no, he doesn't have experience. If he has done this thing for some time, he will understand. There's too there are too many evidences in the Bible. If Philip went to Samaria by whirlwind, it means... It's no long, you don't need experience to do it now. It is already proven that it's possible. So you determine your mode of transport. That means anyone is acceptable. You can use a boat, you can use a donkey, you can use a car, you can use a plane, and you can use whirlwind. You determine where you live now. That's what the newness of life is about. Choosing where you want to exist. If Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five loaves and two fish, you determine how you manage your resources. You can grow your resources by hard work. You can grow your resources by favor. And you can grow your resources by talking to it. You determine where you want to live. <laughs> I'm telling you what the Christian life is about. Hope you know Jesus used boats to travel. But when there was need to walk on water, he walked. That means he was not limited. So you determine. So Jesus traveled in a boat because he wanted to. When there was no boat, he was not stranded. He walked on the water. So he can choose to walk on the water any day, any time. But if he starts doing it every day, people will run away. So the, 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 the Bible said the things that were written aforetime, they were written for our learning. So they did those things so that when we are now demonstrating it, it won't be strange. If I appeared on this altar, the news will go around this country that he's a witch. But in the witch coven, it's not the priest that appears. Everybody appears. And it's normal. It's normal. Everybody, from those who have been initiated the first day, they know how to appear and disappear. And for us, it's a lofty thing. If you, if you even carry testimonies of miracles now, they say it's fake. That is how detached from the supernatural we are. Somebody say he's can, he can see, he can hear. A cripple starts walking, they say it's fake. Because we have become so mental and unspiritual that normal things that show, he say healing is the children's bread. The things that are for children, even adults now, are shocked when it happens. If you pray for somebody in church and he's healed, everybody is shocked. If the person is not healed, we understand. That's where we are. This is why we need to understand. See, this is not, Christianity is not a religion. It's divinity expressed through humanity. 
So I'm laying this foundation so that anything I say later, there will be a basis for it. But trust me, most of you will leave this place. You will become crazy for the supernatural. Because we, are, we have lived the normal life too much. We mingle with ordinary people who don't know God in the market. They don't notice we came. Go to the hospital. We are competing for admission with, this, with them. We are fighting for bed in the hospital with them. If you come to the hospital and count 10 sick beds, seven are Christians. And we now think Christianity is to come to church on Sunday and dress decent and clap hands. The hospital we should go to discharge everybody. We are the first people admitted. And it's normal. All the supplements in the market, we are sharing it with the people of the world. All the paracetamol, all the drugs is in all our houses. Why are they not shocked when they see a Christian with drugs and say, ah, you too, take drugs? And I'm not against these things. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you there's a dimension we have not harnessed. Because we have not been taught sufficiently the resurrection. The Bible said concerning the apostles, if they heard that they were around, they put the sick on the road. Don't pray for them. Let your shadow touch them. They carried so much of God that their shadow was enough. So people gathered for the shadow of the apostles. Today, a convergence of apostles is a garden of talkers. Everybody is talking mysteries that is not substantiated. Because we have not understood the depths of the resurrection. And if we will change our world, we must bring testimonies and witnesses that they cannot deny. As I was preparing for this, this teaching yesterday night, I was overwhelmed with body. I prayed until 3 a.m. I wish I was not preaching. Because some of the, I saw a scripture that made me begin to weep. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. As I was reading it, I said, this is Christianity. Anywhere these people come, there's chaos. If you hear that one of them is around, the whole neighboring village, they should mobilize all the cripples, all the sick, all the hopeless situation. They should start running towards the place that, oh, these people have come. Because they know if they come, the story will change. But we are as normal as every other person. And it's now about title and building false momentum around ourselves. A pastor no longer smiles, walking in a certain way so that you see him as a spiritual man. All of that is an attempt to cover up for the powerlessness. God needs to help us. See, somebody will be intoxicated this evening. I want to leave this conference and go and pray. Because there are things that must become normal again. If they were normal in the days of the apostles, they must become normal again. But the foundation is understanding the resurrection. As you leave this conference, anything that looks like death in your life, it will be arrested and kicked out of your space forever. Anything that looks like death, you will take a list and write it. Is this of God? If it's not, it's death. You will kick all of them out until you begin to live a life that proves that God lives in men. Somebody said the Bible is a witness to the church, not to the world. He said Christians are the witnesses to the world. 
That means we are supposed to receive the Bible and leave it for a generation to see. But the foundation of it is the resurrection. Number two. Hmm. The resurrection connotes victory over the devil. The devil tried everything possible for Jesus not to come back. When Jesus was buried, all the princes of Hades gathered together to keep him in the grave. Number one, they occasioned his death, thinking that when they kill him, everything will end. When he now died, both on earth and in hell, there was a convergence. You heard that the soldier said, let's make sure not this body doesn't live here so that the disciples will not lie that he has risen. They said the impact of that will be worse than his whole life. And then in the grave, all the principalities gathered to keep him in hell. Colossians 2.14 said, having spoiled principalities and powers. So there was a battle in the grave. This man will not rise. If he rises, it means he has defeated all of us. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them. So they were trying to negate his rising. But gloriously, there was a power that went to work. The spirit of holiness, the glory of the Father was released and negated all of the impediments, all of the hesitation and resistance that the devil put together. And Jesus rose gloriously. He didn't take excuse to rise. He defeated them to rise. So the revelation the resurrection is a revelation of Jesus' absolute defeat over every power of darkness. This is why the moment he resurrected, Matthew 28 verse 18, he said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But it's not given to me for me. Before I became man, I was Lord of all. It was given to me for you. So he said, you go in that power. That's why it is from the resurrection that we were commissioned to go into all the worlds. And we go with power. And immediately he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. What is it? In my name, they shall cast out devils. See, the reason you cast out demons is not because of you. It's because they have been defeated. And the authority has been transferred to you. See, most of us, when we are dealing with demons, we are checking our credentials. This thing is not about your credential. This thing is about a battle that was concluded. You were brought into the victory parade. And you were handed over the authority to exercise it. But if you don't know this, the devil will still come to you and say, let's fight and see who we win. There is no such thing as let's fight and see who we win. You have been defeated. My duty is to insist that I have won. Our warfare is to insist that we have won. That's what the resurrection is about. That Satan was defeated. It was written. It wasn't hidden. He fought Jesus not to rise. But they couldn't stop him. At the exact time he said he will rise, he rose again from the dead. And the moment he rose, he gave you the right to exercise dominion over those spirits. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 23, see the way the Bible puts it. 
I'm showing you this is foundation of Christianity. This is why most of us fast, demons still make mess of us. Most of us pray, demons, because we don't know the foundation. These are the legalities. These are the basis for what we do. Some people think casting out devils is for some special deliverance ministers. Every believer, not even called ministers, should exercise absolute dominion over the devil because he has been defeated. He said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us? I said, the power is not for him. He is Lord, he is creator. The power is for you. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Verse 20, hear what the Bible said. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21 is my emphasis. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. So every name that is named was subdued and brought under his authority. And in Ephesians 2, 6, he said, you are seated with him in that place of authority. And he went for that to give you his name as the seal. So that when you sit, they won't make the mistake of saying, why are you here? I was giving this, this my ID card. So the only thing you need to present is the name of Jesus. You know, if you show up now, you sit in front here, I'm not sure we approach you and say, sorry, are you a minister? You say, this is my ID card. I was told to sit here. That's what you do when you meet demons. In the name of Jesus means I am part of those who were given the authority from resurrection. <laughs> the demons say, how dare you come here? Who do you think you are? I am part of the people. When you were defeated, the people that were given license to dominate you, to rule over you, to molest you, I'm one of them. This is my ID card. And so, even if they are 10, even if the demon is raging, step back, pocket your hand, and say, in the name of Jesus. Come on. Manta kaparate. See, Christianity will become fun. When you now pray, you will pray with understanding. When you fast, you will fast with understanding. Many people fast and have ulcer, yet no power. Because understanding is wrong. They pray, 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 lose their voice. No power. Understanding is wrong. They didn't know that they are not the conquerors. Jesus is the conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. After the battle was over, instead of putting the belt on his shoulder, he went out through the back and they brought me forward and put the belt on my shoulder. So I stood like a champion. It doesn't matter. The guy has been defeated. The award has been given. And the trophy is here. In the name of Jesus. Christianity is burdensome to many. Even when they pray, they are not sure. They fast, they are not sure. Because they don't know the legality. The resurrection gives you absolute power. This is the foundation of, of the believer's authority. Because there are three things about the believer's authority. Number one, his nature was imparted into you. So you are brought into the God class. Number two, you are seated with him in heavenly places. And number three, by the leading of the Holy Ghost, you walk into the mysteries of the kingdom. So you have God's nature sitting in God's class. You are sitting with God above principalities to use his name. 
and then you walk by the leading of the Holy Ghost. That's the summary of the believer's authority. Absolute victory over demons. Demons are not for deliverance ministers to cast out. If anybody is demonized, is there any Christian around? That should be the question. Is there any Christian around? Yes, there's one here. Come. How long have you been a Christian? Doesn't matter. Are you ordained? Doesn't matter. Do you know you are born again? Yes. Do you understand the resurrection? Yes. Do you have the right to use the name of Jesus? Yes. Help us. And then you cast out demons. That's all. But many don't know the resurrection. I'm not talking against the place of fasting and prayer. I know that. But I'm saying, if you don't know this truth, your fasting and prayer will be a waste. And that's why many Christians, they go for retreat and come back, they are still demonized. Some are demonized in the retreat. The Bible says Philip went to Samaria and Usher. He preached Christ there. The city was filled with joy. And the people gave heed. Acts 8, 5. Seen. They didn't give heed because he preached well. They saw that all of a sudden, this titleless man showed up and he's talking, demons are fleeing. What does he have? The guy came with the revelation of the resurrection. He preached Christ there. Christ has died. Christ has been buried. Christ has risen. No demon has authority here anymore. And things began to happen. And the whole city was filled with joy. We don't know what we have. That's why this conference is important to you. You will go back and take absolute authority. Today, somebody is sick. And then they bundle him, put in a bus. They are traveling for 10 hours to go and meet one specialist of casting out demons. And they drive past 20 cities. Each of those cities have more than 4 million Christians. But there is one specialist that can cast out demons. What a shame. The next time they tell you somebody is demonized, tell them, wait, I'm coming. And when you show up with understanding, the demons will flee before you talk. I have struggled with casting out demons before. I thought what I needed was more prayer. I thought what I needed was more fasting. I fasted and prayed, nothing happened. The day I understood this, that was when my fasting and prayer became potent. Because if you don't know the truth, it will, it will lock the flow of virtue and power. Absolute authority over demons. All types of demons. The ones that bring poverty. The ones that bring sickness. The ones that bring causes. The ones that bring fear. The ones in the body. The ones in the brain. In the mind. Any type of demon. You have authority over them. Because Jesus defeated them when he rose from the dead. And the power he received is not for him. The power he received is for you. And he graciously handed it over before he went to heaven. You know, Jesus didn't operate like some prophets who wanted to go to heaven with their mantles. He said, no, no, take. It's yours. Take. Go and manifest. I'm going back to my father. You, you didn't have to hold him to collect it. He, he gave it. Say, these signs shall follow them that believe. Anyone who believes has access to the mantle. In my name. Cast out devils. Cast out devils. Authority to rule over demons. Number three, I'm showing you the, what the resurrection connotes in very simplistic sense. 
is assurance of faith. Assurance of faith. Your faith is born from the resurrection. If Jesus didn't, didn't rise from the dead, your faith would have been useless. The reason your faith has substance and assurance is because Jesus rose from the dead. So, the three days that he was in the grave, there was a deep silence. Whether faith would be born or not depended on the resurrection. I read the scripture for you quickly as I begin to round up. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Paul said, and if Christ has, has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Now, this scripture may appear simple, but this is why many never become faith giants. Because they don't know what to tie their faith to. Many tie their faith to their prayer. Many tie their faith to their knowledge. Many tie their faith to their purity. It will lead you far, but it will stop somewhere. That's the problem with tying your faith to those things. When you tie your faith to your prayer, any day you don't pray, you are faithless. When you tie your faith to anything, that thing becomes your limitation. So the weakness of many people is their prayer. The weakness of many people is their purity. The weakness of many people is their faithfulness. Because God knows that you are a man. At some point, there may be fluctuation. So he didn't allow you to put your faith on anything. He said, what gives relevance to your faith is Christ rose from the dead. So be pure. Be prayerful. Study as much as you can. But don't make the mistake of putting your faith in your prayer. You will have a problem. Don't make the mistake of putting your faith in your purity. You have a problem. All of that was possible before Jesus came. But faith was futile. Faith became relevant. Faith became eternally productive the moment Jesus rose from the dead. Men were praying before Jesus came. Men were walking in purity before Jesus came. But it was after Jesus rose from the dead that faith was no longer futile. That men were no longer condemned. You need to learn this. So that every time you step out, every time you are confronted with a challenge, your mind shouldn't go to you. If your mind goes to you, you are in trouble. And today, our mind is so us that even our message is us. Somebody preaches for two hours. One hour, 40 minutes, he's talking about himself. And that's why when you are done hyping yourself, even the deaf won't hear. Most of our big conferences today, people come and give their credentials of their stature. At the end of the day, you see no notable miracles. Have, has it not occurred to you? Go to the meetings of the fathers. They preach very simple gospel. Sometimes they are talking, you are sleeping. But the moment they say in the name of Jesus, they tell you a dead person has risen. Cripples stand up casually because they know where to tie their faith. They pray more than you. Make no mistakes about it. Some of these fathers, if they enter their room, they come back after seven days praying. But when they come, they know where to tie their faith. They never tie to what they've done. Because what they, they do can be challenged. But what Jesus did can never be challenged. His sacrifice is perfect for all eternity. This is the key of walking 
in perpetual faith. There are many other things that faith requires, like humility, like knowledge and understanding, absolute revelation. Faith requires all of those things. Prayer, the presence of God, faith requires them. But fundamentally speaking, the essence of faith is tied to your confident assurance that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, if Christ has not risen, he said, then your faith is futile. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, hear what the Bible said. I'm shutting down. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. No, Acts, help me. Help me. Let me do Acts. Where's the scripture that says, who has believed our report? Romans 10, right? Romans 10, 16 and 17. Help me. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. What is the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection. It says, for Isaiah said, who had believed our report? What is he saying? He's talking about Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? You read that from Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 4. And it said in verse 17, but faith cometh. So then faith cometh by hearing. Not hearing everything from the Bible. You can hear some people talk some things from the Bible. It will kill your faith. What you hear that builds your faith is the report of the gospel that Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, you have life. That Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, you have victory over death. That Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, you have authority over demons. That's what imparts faith into your spirit. The report. So it is the resurrection of Christ that brings productivity and substantiation to your faith. And this is why many quote scriptures out of context, yet they are faithless. Because they don't know where to rope their faith. As you start putting your assurance and everything you do on the strength of the resurrection, you see that your results begin to grow. And then faith gradually becomes your lifestyle. But many don't do this. There are three levels of faith. I've just mentioned it because I'm out of time. Number one is justification. When you understand the resurrection and faith is born from there, there will be an assurance that you cannot be condemned. Because now you know it's not by your works. It's by the works of Jesus. So the reason a man can stand boldly before God is not because of what he did. It's because of what Jesus did. So Romans 4.25 said he was giving up for the remission of our sins, but he rose from the dead for our justification. So the reason you and I have boldness before God is because we were justified on the basis of the resurrection. So any day, any time, whether on earth or in eternity, you can stand before God. Why? Because you know that it's not your merit. It's his merit. And his merit was demonstrated when he rose from the dead because his sacrifice was accepted. That's the first operation of faith. This justification is why you will be bold in every circumstance and speak like one who carries the oracles of God. Number two is the power of witness. 
When a man builds faith on the strength of the resurrection, he becomes bold to represent God. When I started preaching frequently, that was when I knew this. Sometimes I wake up to go out, I'm tired. Sometimes I'm even afraid. Nothing to say. I'm wondering. There's, there are people, are, sometimes you even announce that tomorrow is healing. And you are coming. That tomorrow is the day you are weakest. And then you are wondering what will happen. See, if you don't witness, you will not understand this. If you are somebody who stands to defend the interest of the kingdom, you will know what it means to trust in Jesus, not you. That's when it will matter to you. The power for witness is born from the resurrection. When you come in that tired state, sometimes you preach, people are sleeping on you. You will now go back and say, Jesus is you and only you. And then you will see the finger of God. The apostles all knew this truth. So faith, first of all, gives them assurance, which is justification. And then faith gives them power to represent God. So when you see men stand to speak for God, this is where the confidence comes from. That when Jesus rose, everything he rose with was credited to me. Let me read two scriptures. Acts 2, 32 to 33. He said, This Jesus had God raised, whereof we are witnesses. This Jesus had God raised, whereof we are witnesses. So we are witnesses because God raised him. Acts 1, 22. Beginning from the baptism of John, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained, to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Of his resurrection. Acts 4.33 And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. With great power he gave them what? Witness of. So if you are not standing at the premise of the resurrection, you can't have the power to witness. So the second expression of faith is the power to represent God in every capacity. If there is healing, you will demonstrate God's healing. If there's need for purity, you will demonstrate God's purity. If there's need to stand fearlessly and speak the interest of God, you will say it, you will not be afraid. Because even if they kill you, you will rise again. The power for witness. I'm showing you why many are not strong in the things of God. We have preached the cross. We have preached prayer. We have preached fasting. But we have not preached the resurrection. Too many Christians don't know where to put their confidence. And finally, on the faith issue, is hope of eternal glory that will be glorified with him forever and ever. When he said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that Christ in you is the hope of glory, he's talking about the resurrected Christ. And so when you read 1 Corinthians 15, from 43 to 53, you are going to skip seeing exchange. The earthly substituted with the heavenly. Mortality substituted with immortality. All because of the resurrection. So the reason I know that I will be glorified forever and ever is because I have received of the resurrection. By putting my faith in the resurrected. These are three major implications of the resurrection. Victory over death. Victory over demons. 
and then assurance of faith that cannot be defied by any circumstance whatsoever. And then in the evening, I will talk about the last one, walking in the newness of life. Because for everyone who understands the resurrection, there's a way you are supposed to live. And living like an ordinary man is not one of them. Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think in, in verse 1 or 3. He said, you are carnal, you are babes. He said, you are living like ordinary men. So he didn't expect us to live like ordinary men. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I will show you how God expects us to live. Because most of the things we do now is only in the realm of the acceptable will of God. That's not God's perfect will. When we do a healing service and Christians line up to be healed, oh, it's a, it's a, it grieves the Father. You are not the one who is supposed to be receiving healing. And I'm not saying those who are sick are not Christians or not good Christians. I'm still learning it myself. But I'm saying when you see how God sees from the plane of the resurrection, we are supposed to be bams in Gilead. We are supposed to be the healing of the nations. But if we are the ones requiring it, it means there's something we don't know. I'm not saying people are not going through warfare and Satan is not attacking their bodies. Satan fights people. There are battles that we overcome and insist on our victory. But I am saying, by all means, there is a victorious life to be lived. That's what the Bible calls the newness of life. That when people see you, the only being you resemble is Christ. And it's on that note that the believers were first called Christians. Because when they looked at them, there was nothing they could compare them to except the master himself. Because the works that I do, he said, you shall do also and greater. So our job now, at this level, we should have said, this one, this one, this one that Jesus did, we have done. What are the greater works? We should be looking at stepping into the realm of the greater works. But unfortunately, the ones he has done, we have not even started it. And we have created a system that keeps us comfortably natural. And we live the natural life and live it with joy. A hungry generation for that which must be will be born. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. Find out more about Household of David. Visit our website at www.householdofdavid.org. You can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and MixLR. Or join us for one of our services on Sundays by 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. and Wednesdays by 7 p.m. God bless you.